This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source, the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. enjoy the human capital innovations podcast enjoy ad-free listening by going to the patreon page and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level and please leave a review thank you for your support welcome to the human capital innovations podcast in this hci podcast episode I talk with Noel Andrews about helping Bismote team members. Noel Andrews, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, thanks, John. Great to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from London. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about remote work and how business owners can hire quality remote team members. Uh, One of the really nice things about remote work is that the geographical barriers to hiring have largely broken down. And we've experienced this more and more over the course of the pandemic. We realize we can hire great people from anywhere in the world as long as they have a reliable internet connection, they have the, the necessary hardware Uh, And then, you know, as long as time zones aren't too much of an issue in relation to delivery of products and services, Uh, but it's, it's a great equalizer uh, to be able to, to hire people from anywhere. It's, it's great for employees who want the flexibility, uh, who, who don't want to be restricted to a geographical location or have to move every time they change jobs. Uh, It's good for companies. So this is what we're going to be unpacking. Uh, but also more specifically about how, you know, because there's a gazillion people out there who are looking for remote jobs. How do you identify like the best ones, the ones that are actually going to work out for your team? Um, so that's what we'll be exploring. As we get started, I wanted to share Noel's bio with everybody. After spending 15 years recruiting and leading teams within large corporate technology functions, Noel Andrews bought JobRack to help bring the wonders of Eastern European remote workers to business owners all over the world. JobRack has been helping business owners get access to Eastern European remote workers since 2015, and over 500 businesses have hired successfully, many of them returning again and again as they build their teams with great hires from JobRack. Noel, anything else you would like to share about your personal background, your own kind of trajectory, career um, movement uh, before we launch on into the broader conversation for today? Yeah, I just think um, one of the realizations I had uh, probably about eight, nine years ago now 
Uh, it was after a day spent interviewing candidates uh, for some corporate tech jobs. And it was that just crushing realization that hiring is really hard. And uh, the bad news is it doesn't actually get any easier, but there's lots more kind of opportunities and places that we can look. And so I've kind of made it a little bit of a mission. And like my real focus is just trying to make it easier and help people get, you know, help people get great jobs um, and help business owners kind of grow and scale and, you know, kind of manage some of these challenges against something that, you know, is very, very hard and yet is the most important thing for any, any manager, any exec, any business owner is to, you know, find and hire and keep the, the best possible talent we can. Yeah, and I think that's always a challenge, whether we're talking about face-to-face, in-person office, uh, hybrid work, fully remote work. It's hard to assess and just really know who's going to work out for your organization. And honestly, a lot of times it just feels like a complete crapshoot. Like, you know, someone looks really great on paper. They might even interview well, and then they get into the job and, and there's just interpersonal issues with other team members or, you know, they really get at selling themselves in an interview or on the resume, but they really aren't that great. Uh, so those types of issues are hard enough when you're together in person, but you add in the layer of remote work when you may not ever actually be in the same room with the, the person to to have that kind of a, that interpersonal assessment. Why don't you walk us through, uh, first of all, um, what some of the distinct benefits you see of the Eastern European remote worker labor force that's existent? And then how do we actually start to break down going through the, the hiring process when we're not physically co-located with individuals. Yeah, sure. So I think in terms of the big benefits of Eastern Europe is that there's a real almost like sweet spot and combination of really, really kind of hard work ethic culturally um, combined, combined with like really great education, especially around kind of technical uh, kind of aspects like you know, software development, graphic design, things like that. Um, so very, very strong education system. Great English um, that is taught from a very, very early age, and it's very, very common for people to have you know, one degree or even two degrees, various subjects, all kind of a lot of it learnt uh, in English. Um, a very kind of, uh, what's the right word, uh, almost just a very strong cultural alignment with you know, US, UK, Australia, with kind of Western world. So there are many regions of the world, and you, know, you can hire anywhere in the world uh, these days. But there are some areas of the world that have certain kind of cultural differences that just make it slightly harder. Uh, whether that's communication style, whether it's, um, you know, willingness to be very direct in, in kind of like, you know, feedback or challenging a manager. Um, and so we find kind of very, like real kind of great compatibility uh, between kind of Eastern Europe and, you know, kind of the Western world and kind of real good cultural alignment. And, you know, one of the kind of the icing on the cake almost is that there's a, you know, generally a considerably lower cost of living that then translates into, you know, really fair wages, but that's still really great value for kind of US or UK or kind of Western businesses hiring. So, you know, it's, it's not at all about, you know, any element of like exploitation or anything like that. But, you know, if someone, it's a bit like the difference of someone living in a tertiary city in the US versus living and trying to buy a property and buying real estate in San Francisco, right? The costs are different and therefore often the salaries are. And then that's just more pronounced when we look at some of the regions of, uh, of Eastern Europe that we focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Cost of living is just remarkably different. And again, like if you just look in the US, we, we see huge differences um, all throughout the country. Certainly that's the case in Europe. Uh, I've spent a decent amount of time in Eastern Europe uh, living in Minsk for a time. And I visit uh, Warsaw and parts of Poland yearly. Um, and it, it's a fabulous place. I love uh, being there. I love visiting with the people, like you said, very hardworking um, particularly in the tech sector. I think they're really on the cutting edge. 
with really great labor force. So if you're looking for good tech talent, uh, they got a lot of it there and hungry for, you know, for work. Um, so I think all of that's fantastic. And, uh, and like you said, there, sometimes there's, there's the, uh, the wage kind of leverage that you can have, um, that can be a win-win for them and for the company. So all those reasons, for all those reasons, I think, uh, Eastern Europe really can be a great place to tap into when we're talking about labor force, uh, complexities and high demand for workers, uh, right now. All right. So let's talk more about how we go about the process of hiring people when they are really fully 100% remote. Uh, how do you actually assess for that? And, and how do we manage that over time so that we give people the best opportunity to succeed once they're even selected for the business? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that are just the same as when you're hiring in person. And then there's a couple of things that are a bit different. The number one thing that where I see people making mistakes with hiring in general, regardless of whether it's in person or remote, is just jumping in a bit too quick. And so the most important thing for me is right at the very start, really be thinking about like, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? And not just need right now, because oftentimes when we come to hire, it's like a little bit last minute. Ideally, we would have hired a few months ago. It's all a bit of a panic. And so it's trying to think forward six and 12 months and going, okay, what are the, what do I need them to be able to do and kind of grow into and having that kind of slight kind of forward view. So a little bit of time up front is, is super, super key because then you can make the right decisions on, right, well, are there any geographic constraints? Are there any time zone constraints to the work they need to do and the, the people they need to be interacting with? Um, are there any languages, you know, are there particular languages they need to speak? Um, and so thinking about those very specific requirements, because that will then kind of help guide you to where you should potentially be looking because you want to be looking for people where there is a you know a good volume of you know potentially matching candidates so you know that that's kind of the same regardless of remote but it's just um it's almost more important with remote because you can you have a, a choice of where you go to look for for talent and for candidates so think about that up front then as you go through the process i think it's important to be a little bit kind of extra uh add a bit of extra intent into the mix when it comes to putting people at ease having conversations that you might otherwise have you know if you meet someone in reception and you walk them to the interview room right you're having a little bit of chit chat right you're having that small talk you're putting them at ease maybe they're asking some questions about what it's like to work there that in a zoom meeting it's very easy to just be in straight into thing and you know we lose the kind of the niceties and, and top and tail of the, of the session so a little bit of kind of extra intent there making sure you're taking time to kind of get to know them as a person because actually you know we can test and i'll cover that in a second you know we can test for their actual smarts we can test their ability to do the job and how they'll do it but we kind of want them to be the right kind of person that we're going to get on with well enough that's going to kind of fit into the team but bring something else a little bit different too so spending a little bit of time around that I'm a big fan of getting candidates to actually meet the team. So as part of the recruitment process, you know, just have a kind of a Zoom call where they're going to meet two or three of the team they're going to be working with, um, or even just one member of the team, just to have that little kind of chat, allow them to open, ask, ask open questions. I think that's really key. And then the other thing that, you know, big, you know, really big companies and tech companies, especially like Google and Facebook, do testing really, really well. And, you know, you'll have a seven stage recruitment process, which, you know, for me is that's that's a little bit long um, to say the least. But I think that, you know, there are certain companies that test really well. And then a lot of businesses 
you know, we'll, we'll look at the CV, we'll look at application form, we'll do an interview, and then we'll cross our fingers and hope. And actually, you know, a short test assignment just with some, you know, a, like scenarios and, you know, just very simple tasks that are basically what they'll be doing in the job that might just take, you know, one to two hours can be absolutely illuminating about how someone actually, you know, kind of tackles the kind of work you want them to do. And so I encourage, and for every role that we're hiring for and helping our clients for, it's an essential part of the role for us, whether it's a graphic designer, a, a, a writer, a software developer. And actually, not only do you see how they work, but you also see how they communicate and how they you know, submit the test and what questions they ask. And it also then gives you something to really dig into and have a good conversation about in the interview. So that is the single thing for me. And you know, people can use that in an in-person role as well. But that testing stage is where you really see how they're actually going to do the job and then can give you just a lot, lot of kind of confidence and kind of good feeling about, you know, what I'll, sometimes it's a bit of a subjective interview that's a bit tricky to be, you know, quite concrete about, you know, are they right or not? Yeah, and interviewing always is, is tough, right? Um, you know, there's lots of research on, on employee selection and interviewing is the most common approach and it is the least predictive <laughs> of how successful someone's going to be. So like you said, when, you, when we can have other forms of testing involved, uh, that's really going to help. I think especially if you're not going to be able to connect together in person during the interview process. I love the idea of involving the team at least at some point in the interviewing process just so they can meet them and gauge kind of the, the interpersonal dynamics with team members, um, have a chance to ask questions. It's good for both sides, honestly, um, to, to know fit. You know, when I'm uh, looking to work with an organization, uh, either as an employee or doing consulting work, you know, I'm, I'm as interested in fit as they are. I, I want to see if it makes sense for me to be part of, uh, you know, working with that organization as much as they're asking the same questions of me. So um, I think that's good. I, I'm a big fan of just openness, transparency, and clarity around job expectations and like what a realistic job job preview, like you can actually know what it's going to be like uh, to work in that role in that organization to the extent possible. It's better for the applicant. It's better for the eventual hire, certainly better for the organization because then you're going to have a better sense of of really how they're going to do in the job. Um, and of course, depending on the type of work, you can have different types of tests and work samples and, and things like that. Uh, and I guess the question remains, though, because uh, I know this is something you believe in. Uh, I think it's pretty darn clear in the research that that's important. Yet so many organizations still rely so heavily on the interviewing without doing a lot of, of those other components. Um, and even during you know, the, the pandemic and, and with remote and hybrid workers. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that, like why do you think that persists so much? Why the bias towards interviewing? So there's a couple of things for me. I mean, one is that, you know, if you're anything like me and, you know, what it was like when I was in my corporate role, you know, we're all really busy, right? We're trying to deliver the business. We're trying to manage the team we've got. Um, when someone leaves and then we've got to replace them, it's always like, oh, something else on my plate, right? It's something else we've got to squeeze into our day and we've got pressures coming from everywhere. And so therefore we kind of do, this is an area where we often just do what we've always done. And as much as I hate that phrase, I'm really, really anti it, but we only know what we know. And unless you've been very fortunate to have had some, you know, either had the time and the inclination to, 
really invest in learning and reading books like top grading or you know the who method for instance you potentially don't know that there's another way because generally you know things are just done a particular way um so that's a big thing for me you know people are busy it's not their core competency in the same way that candidates aren't taught how to interview which is why most people don't interview well you know interviewers and, and managers in in kind of businesses you know and, and ceos and owners we're not taught how to interview either and i think life and recruitment would be dramatically better if people had a, a better awareness of actually how to conduct a, an effective interview and so I, I think it's just this kind of combination of you know change is slow to come um, we do we're humans and so actually we kind of thrive on human connection and we want to get to know the person that we're going to be working with and the, on one hand the most important thing is that they can do the, the do the job but we often take that for a given because we've read their cv and you know it, it gives a vague inclination that they can do the job then the next thing we want to know is that we can actually get on with them um, because actually if we can teach skills right you can't you almost almost exclusively cannot change someone's character and so then from a human perspective it's way more important that i feel i can get on with someone than you know kind of like putting all of the effort into uh you know can they do the skills and that's just it's almost like human bias for me and that's where you know kind of a lot of what we do is helping people and helping our clients by you know doing a lot of that pre-filtering a lot of that work to have ruled you know made sure that they are the right candidates in the first place and we've you know removed the ones that aren't right to allow people to spend time on the, the softer side of things and and as you said it's a two-way process and for anyone that's in any doubt, a few years ago, it might have been possible to put your job out there and get a flood of amazing candidates that were super thrilled to come and work for your business. That is not the case right now, right? It is, you know, the best candidates are generally not hanging out on job boards. You know, they want to interview you as much as you want to interview them. And so having that two-way dialogue is super important, not only because that's what they want, but also because we want the candidate to really want to come and work for us, right? We want them to be really invested because what we don't want is there's a real trend right now, especially in the US and the UK for people starting a job and then maybe going, oh, no, it's not quite right. It's not quite perfect. I've been offered a few more thousand dollars or pounds over here. I'm going to jump. And there's, which is very different from not that many years ago. And that's a real difference we see with Eastern Europe. So people from Eastern Europe generally, stereotypically, but it is generally true, are looking for stability and they're looking to commit and kind of build that career that is, is a little bit less commonplace right now uh in the us and the uk which is if you know if you're a small business owner or a medium-sized business owner or well any size business it's immensely frustrating you you think you found the right person they start and then it doesn't work out and then they leave and you're like oh and you're kind of back to square one again so as much as it can be painful to spend these these extra minutes these extra hours during the recruitment process actually the time and the money that it saves is you know typically it's an amazing return on it because it's so painful and time consuming and expensive to you know to hire the long-term orientation when it comes to hiring is so so important you mentioned that i mean you started with that at the very beginning of the conversation you, you said take your time like don't rush into things we're so anxious we have this hole that we want to fill and we're feeling pressure and burden because we're trying to make up for the loss of a person you know an important member of the team that it can be really easy to just say, oh, they have the skills. Oh, you know, they check the boxes. Let's pull them in. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe you'll get lucky. But 
you know, you're, you're probably bound to have some frustration. So, mm -hmm. so don't be too quick to rush in, uh, take the time up front, have a long-term orientation, which means you can value the investment up front, knowing that you'll have the long-term gains from it. Yeah. And if I, if I do the upfront investment in employment testing and uh, realistic job previews and uh, work samples and those sorts of things. So I have a much better sense of who I'm dealing with in the applicant pool. Um, that, that definitely helps you screen people out earlier. So you don't waste as much time in interviews. And then those interviews are spent doing more meaningful things to actually help you know how they're going to fit in with the group. And like you said, not only fit, but also provide that unique diversity uh, element to bring different perspectives to help round out the team uh, better. You know, th that's just so important. And if we can't get past the urgency of filling a spot, then we're just going to be, we're just going to have a revolving door and be churning through people constantly. And it's just going to be endlessly frustrating. Yeah. And two kind of really like actionable kind of tips I can give around this. So one is I, I give people a lot of advice. If you feel like you're in a rush to hire, the first thing I would do is how can you buy yourself time? Because if you rush the hiring process, it's going to, it's almost certainly, right? This isn't even as good odds as if you go to Vegas and start playing the tables, right? It's not as good odds and the house always wins. So, you know, how can you buy yourself time, right? How could you get a, an interim or a contractor in for a short while to just give you that time so you don't need to rush the process? So, you know, think of ways. How could you buy yourself time is the first thing I always think about. And then when it comes to that, you're right. When it's a hiring funnel, is like a sales funnel, right? You want to bring as many people in the front end as possible, filter them down rapidly and with as minimal effort from you as possible to then get down to, you know, the one or the two that are, are right. And the big thing that we do that we find really, really effective is we use, we put a lot of effort into crafting the job advert and the job description, a, a huge amount of effort. You know, we include social proof from our employees about, you know, what it's like to work at the company. We include, you know, setting really clear expectations about what will, if you'd worked with us over the past month, this is what you'd be working on. If you, your first few weeks in the role, this is what it's going to look like. So we really paint a clear picture. Um, in the application form, we will then have, you know, the, the kind of normal kind of application forms. We want to understand what the situation is, you know, why they're leaving, why do they like the idea of this job? But we will include a couple of, I'm going to say technical questions, but role specific questions that we can look at very quickly and have a really good idea of if they have the knowledge, the skills, you know, you know, the attributes we need for to take them forwards. So when we're looking at an application form, and if it's a developer, we might ask them a very technical question that there's basically just one or two answers they could give. Um, if it's a content writer, or if it's a social media person, it's a good example. You know, you might say, hey, just give us an example of a, a post that you might write on Facebook to our audience on a Monday morning. So we're looking for a little bit of creativity. We're looking for really strong English. And we're looking to see that they've actually done five or 10 minutes research about our page and our, our social following. But it means that we skip straight to those questions and we can just look and very, very rapidly filter people out. So it's making this process easier for you because the ones that are good and are right will rise to the top. Then you can review the rest of their application. So, you know, little things like that are things that people can do to just help what is a painful process, make it a little bit, a little bit less painful. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Great tips. Noel, it's been a pleasure. I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. 
so yeah, if people want to get in touch, check out jobrack.eu. Uh, there's a wealth of content, content and information there. I'm always happy to chat to people. So if anyone's interested in kind of hiring remotely or hiring from Eastern Europe, always happy to jump on a call and, and kind of chat through kind of possibilities there. Uh, and then I think final thought is that the there is just a huge, huge amount of opportunity now to us all in kind of hiring remotely, whether you hire remotely, but still within 50 miles of, you know, where you live and where your office is, or whether you hire, you know, thousands and thousands of miles, thousands and thousands of miles away. I think it's all, you know, it's all available and there are just amazing people can be found everywhere. Um, and it's just, you know, finding the ones that are right for you and can really kind of power your business forward. I love it. Thank you, Noel. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Noel and his team at JobRack can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.